0: Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion, day 14. Can you believe it? We're here with our Morning Devotion group, and thank you, thank you. This is a group that decided a year ago that we can do life better together. Together. That's it. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. We can gripe to one another. Yeah, that's that's sometimes what we call prayer. And we guide and escort each other through life. Today, I, I, I'm thrilled about today's subject. Within each heart is a cross and a throne. And I want to speak to you about this today, if you would allow me to. So thank you for joining us, Julie and Scott and Sue and Roy and Ginger and Hope and Donetta and David and Gwen. Whoa, thank you for being a part of this. And as you join us, recall that ordinarily we do this Monday through Friday, but during these 21 days, we're doing this each and every day. And today concludes two weeks, of three weeks of prayer. What happens when we pray? Nothing and everything. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to explain that, aren't I? Nothing. Nothing. By that, I mean that there are many destructive things that could have come our way. Things that could have happened but did not happen. Things that we may never know this side of heaven. Our prayers cause nothing to happen. It caused those bad things not to happen. And that is the deterrent power of prayer. So when people say, well, does God answer prayer? We have no idea what God has really done to push back the darkness through our prayer. So nothing happens when we pray, but everything also happens when we pray. Every good thing, all good things are drawn to us through prayer. So when we gather and pray, we're giving God permission to be God in our lives? Does he need permission? Well, that's sort of related to the subject that I just could not get off my heart this morning. I want to share with you within each heart is a cross and a throne. So Marianne and Mark and Rebecca, Nancy and Joyce, thank you for making this a priority in your life. Yep, you know the drill, like the page, follow the page, share the page, and encourage others to join us in this group. Scripture mandates that we are being called to prayer, like that shofar at the intro. We're called to prayer for many things, for all saints, for all men, for kings, rulers, for those in adversity, those who are sending forth labors, those who labor in the gospel, pray for converts, pray for believers and prodigals who have fallen into sin, pray for one another in our immediate spheres of influence, pray for healing of the sick, pray for deliverance of those in captive, pray for those enduring temptation. Oh, yes, we are encouraged to pray for a lot of things. But in these 21 days, we are encouraging one another to pray for nothing short of an awakening. We need, an awakening. An awakening is a prolonged season of divine favor. America has had several of them. I detail them in the book on prayer. Just happened to keep a copy right here with me because this is how we all started. We are praying for one more awakening in America and across the seven seas. Those who study awakenings tell me that there are five main components, five elements, five phases. Of an awakening. In fact, these serve as signposts, milestones, mile markers on the way to an awakening. And when you see these, you know where you're at in the awakening because one follows the other so long as people continue to seek the face of God. And are we seeking today? Give me a thumbs up if you are seeking the face of God. I said earlier this week, God seeks. Seekers, that's what he's looking for. Here's the first phase. Here we go. Intercession, that God's people will unite in prayer for an awakening. How long will they pray? However long it takes. For one thing is for certain, each and every awakening that's happened in America and around the world can be traced to kneeling figures. That's right. Every spoke of light emanates from an altar of intercession. Each ray of hope, each miracle, each unleashing of divine power comes through and from the prayers of the intercessors. Oh, I can't emphasize that enough. When you see people interceding as never before, you know this, an awakening is on its way. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Amen. Second of all, the second step, the second phase is revelation. It's one of those curious things about awakenings and um, is that they fasten on some aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ, his grace, his sacrifice, his provision, his mercy. The awakenings in America have focused on the four so-called offices of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is Savior, Healer, Baptizer, Our Sanctifier, and Coming King. And when people get fascinated with Jesus Christ, there is an awakening coming. When well, why not? He is the Day Star that rises in our lives. That's the second one. That is the second one. There's intercession, revelation. I'm going to skip the third one. Can okay? I'm going to skip that? I'm going to come back to that. All right, I'm going to circle back to that one. The fourth element of awakening is. Revitalization. Churches are revitalized. Ministries are revitalized. Church members are revitalized. Things that were dormant and thought dead come back to life. Oh, hell, we need to see that happen. Amen. We need to see dead things come back to life. We need a newness to fill us again and to fall on us, to see some great things in God. And then number five, the fifth element of awakening that most people think of when they think of an awakening is expansion. That's the mass conversion, cities turned upside down with the gospel and And uh, that's beautiful. Amen. That's what we think of. But remember, there's four steps prior. We all want the world turned upside down. Oh boy, but here we go. But we really don't want the church turned inside out. Oh, that hurt. We don't want ourselves. Yeah, we want the world turned upside down, but we don't want ourselves turned inside out. You see, at the heart of the five elements, the one that I skipped over, the one that I skipped over is something so important. It's that inside out. It's consecration. Yeah. First, there's intercession, revelation, then consecration. Turning ourselves inside out. Being emptied from vessel to vessel. Consecrate. It's that second verse of that old beautiful hymn we used to sing. I think Fanny Crosby wrote it. I am thine, O Lord. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. By the power of grace divine, let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in that. What starts with consecration is my will being lost in the will of God. That's consecration. You see, the third component of an awakening that cannot be overlooked, it cannot be sidestepped, is when we see consecration, man's will, our will. Get lost in God's will. What prevents an awakening, Pastor? It's not the mockery and the cynicism and the darkness. It's not the pandemic. The hate, the violence, that doesn't stop an awakening. The deep, deep sin and darkness of this world, that doesn't stop an awakening. If a true awakening happens or doesn't happen, one of the chief reasons is consecration or the lack thereof. The reason an awakening will not happen is if God's people ignore his ways, ignore God's word and fail to seek his face. You see, the condition of the world has never stopped God from moving. Oh, praise God. It's the condition of the hearts of God's people that stops God. We are the ones who limit the Holy One of Israel, not the world that we live in. I I love this quote. I think it was A.W. Tozer said, in every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne until he puts himself on the cross. And if he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. And perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness amongst believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist Christ do all the dying, and so we doom ourselves to shadows, weakness, and spiritual sterility. Yes, it was A.W. Tozer that said that. You see, what precedes an awakening? When God sees, God's people see their condition and they repent, when God's people awaken themselves to prayer and seek his face, when God's people get so grieved over the lostness of the world around them that they will not rest until they see a ray of light. As Jim Dennison, founder of the Forum on Truth and Culture, said in our culture, God is a hobby. God is for Sunday, not Monday, just like golf or tennis or any other hobby. God's a part of our lives, but he's not the Lord of our lives. Where people are making God their king, they're seeing and joining the great awakening. But when they make God their hobby, they miss what God is doing in the nations. And perhaps that's what hurts us most in America is that God has been a hobby. He's been a Sunday pastime. He's locked in a box for one day of the week and a few hours on a cushioned pew, but he has not invaded our daily lives. There will be no awakening for those who confine God to a single day or place. And for the first time, a global awakening is actually possible and attainable. It's possible indeed. It's happening that as we preach today, people are being awakened, but oh, I wanna see the awakening not someplace out there. It first takes place in here within the heart of each one of us is a cross and a throne, and so long as we're seated on the throne, we are not hanging on the cross. We are not living a crucified life. Judgment begins at the house of God. Peter said that, but judgment begins in the heart of each of us. God does not withhold revival, nor can God bring any more revival than he already has. God does not withhold revival. We prevent revival. We prevent an awakening. We prevent it by occupying the throne and laying down the cross in our heart. Oh, oh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts, Donna. Tessie, Laura, and Sarah, I'm telling you, this hurts. But John Wesley wrote that we need to earnestly grieve for those who don't know the Lord. But he, and he asked, do you love your neighbors yourself? The Lord God, fill your heart with such love for every soul that you'll be ready to lay your de- lay your life down for the sake of others. That's what Jesus did. He abandoned the throne for a cross. And each day and every day, we've got to abandon the throne of our heart uh, and put ourselves on that cross. That's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. And that's what we are called to do. It's on a sunburnt and windswept grave in Cairo, Egypt. There's an inscription to a man named William Borden, heir to the Borden Dairy Fortune. He died at the young age of 25. He wanted to be a missionary to the Muslims en route to China. He stopped in Egypt, contracted spinal meningitis and died and was buried there at the age of 25. Most go to Egypt to see the tombs of the Pharaohs and the Sphinx. But if I ever got to Egypt, I'd like to stand at the foot of the grave of this man, the man who wrote in the back of his Bible. And uh, he turned his back on his upbringing with the words, No reserves. The one who refused to opt for a more lucrative plan for his life by writing in his Bible, no retreats. The one who launched into an unknown future with the words, no regrets, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. That's what he wrote in his Bible. At the base of his tombstone are chiseled these words, William Borden, 1887, 1913. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. I've read many obituaries, a lot of them, and I read how successful this one was and that one was and what they accomplished and what positions they held, what they left behind, who they left behind, but I've never read a eulogy like that. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Can I tell you that man's story just a little bit? I want to tell you the story of William Borden, part of an affluent family in Chicago, heir to the... Borden Dairy Estate, the Borden Milk Company, as a young man, he, he could have done anything he wanted. He, the sky was the limit. He had His future was limitless. He graduated from high school at the age of 16, and as a graduation gift, his affluent family gave him a round-the-world cruise, to, cruise the, to, to sail the seven seas and to see all of the continents. He boarded a ship as a 16-year-old young man, and he went from country to country, And he saw the needs of people, not just their physical needs, but their spiritual needs. And William Borden's heart was touched. His heart was broken. And he sensed that there was something more that he should do with his life than run the dairy business. He answered the call to the mission field at the age of 16. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He wrote in his diary, I am Willing, that's consecration. I am willing. Now, from a worldly perspective, he had a lot to lose by that. From an internal perspective, he had a lot more to gain. He came back from his worldwide cruise and he spent his college years at Yale University. He made a journal entry that defined what he believed to be at the root and heart of each and every issue that he would face in his short life. He wrote in his journal, he said, Bill, say no to self. And say yes to Jesus every time. He went on to say, Here we go. In every man's heart, there is a throne and a cross. If Christ is on the throne, self is on the cross. And if self, even a little bit of self, is on the throne, then Jesus is on the cross in that man's heart. And so we pray. And that was also, his prayer was also recorded in the journal. He prayed, Lord Jesus, I take my hands off as far as my life is concerned, and I put thee on the throne of the heart. Change me, cleanse me, and use me as you choose. And that's what took him to the mission field where the epitaph of his life would be read. Apart from faith in Christ, this man's life makes no sense whatsoever, because until you know the price of sacrifice, you know little about God. For God so loved the world that he gave, that same love should grip us and pull us from the throne and to the cross. It's a secret of the blessed life within each heart is a cross and a throne and if you will choose the cross choose consecration you are choosing the path to fulfillment and you're choosing the path to an awakening in this world oh i feel the presence of the lord you may have heard me said that the word all is used in the book of acts more than any other book in the new testament it's used in every chapter of the book of acts It's almost as if the early church, the first church was just saying, hey, 21st century church, if you want to see the revival that turns the world upside down, you've got to turn your heart inside out. And you've got to surrender all before me. I stand, I stood years ago in front of a congregation saying these words that I'm saying right now. And, I, and these words, I could sense they were just falling on the ground. They were not piercing anybody's heart. And it dawned on me, I'm standing amidst a group of people that have never known the thrill, joy, the pain and the agony of laying their all on the altar. I... It grieved me. It made me sad and sorry, sorrow for those people. Because you see, you and I will never be the people that we need to be until we lay our all on the altar, until we abandon the throne, and until we choose the cross. As we go into the final moments of this devotion, as we finish two weeks, 21 days of prayer. I just want to ask you, are you occupying the throne of your heart? Is it all about you or have you relinquished the throne of your heart to the rightful occupant, the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you taking up your cross and saying, not my will, but thine be done? We're going to see a great awakening. I want everybody in this group to live to see it, to see the prodigals come home, to see entire cities converted and come back to God, to see waves of God's mercy and revival sweep over this world. But it comes, it comes through consecration and saying, I give myself to you, O Lord. I believe the Lord is in this place right now. I sense the presence of the Lord. I, I just, I don't do this often on morning devotion, but I just want to pray. Father, I'm coming to you right now behalf of everybody that is listening. I sense an anointing from heaven above, the kiss of heaven upon the earth right now in this moment, in this devotion. God, I pray whoever is listening to this, Whatever they have put between themselves and you, whatever idol has been lifted up, wherever thought, opinion, paradigm, hurt, grievance, Lord, I pray that it will all be relinquished, Lord, and they will exit the throne of their heart and find the cross and find that consecration that unlocks the miraculous in their lives. There are miracles In this devotion, right now, God, bring those miracles when we say, not my will, but thine be done. In Jesus' name, we pray. God bless you. Thank you. Share with one another. Pray one for another. Leave your prayer request out to the side, and let's see God do some great things in today's devotion. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.